Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Good afternoon. Good Monday. TGIM. I love to say TGIM. Thank God it is Monday. Folks, I am so excited to come to you on this Monday, uh, not only because I had a little bit of a break. I was gone. I was in Phoenix over the weekend with Charlie Kirk, Brandon Tatum, Graham Allen, a whole lot of amazing individuals working on things that are really, we're really trying to save this country. So it was an exciting time, but I was off a little bit. One of the gentlemen that I got to meet and talk to a little bit further right before I left to that trip in Phoenix is the amazing Isaiah Washington. I FaceTimed with him last, I think, Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, and got to hear more of his story. And I said, Isaiah, I'd love to have you on my show. And he said, absolutely, let's do it. So without further ado, this show is an interview full-blown. This is the first time I've done just a full-blown interview, all dedicated to one individual. But uh, I, I don't think I could do it any better with anybody better than Mr. Isaiah Washington. Isaiah, thank you so much for being on the show with me today, my brother. How are you? Hey, man, I'm here, man, as I promised. I, I like to be a man of my word and see like you're a man of your word. So here we are. Yes. Well, I believe you that you are. Uh, I love the stories that I've been seeing. I loved uh, getting to talk to you and really connect with you and hear more of your heart as to why you are in the position that you're in right now, kind of thrust onto the uh, onto the spotlight for the conservative movement as somebody especially that's had a huge successful career in Hollywood. You didn't go with the normal sway of the left in Hollywood, and you've come out uh, recently supporting Donald Trump and, and, and this presidency. So, you know, did you ever think that you'd find yourself in this position right now in such a political and politically heightened state of our country? No, not at all. You know, but compliments to Fox News, you know, picking up my tweet back in uh, April 1st, you know, put a tweet out there that I didn't think anyone was really listening, a tweet of irony. Of, of my experience. It's like, wow, you know, I, I expected all these things from President 44 just as a, a citizen, not for him to do anything specifically for me, but just things we talked about briefly when I was lobbying for my country, Sierra Leone, to try to change his brand in a positive. And he gave me some wonderful advice on how to go about doing that quickly. When I met him um, as he was lobbying hard to get the 25-year addendum to the uh, 1964 Voters' Rights Act. So, you know, that's how I met him. So, you know, we had some great conversation about Africa. Obviously, he's Kenyan, you know, and I told him some of my dreams and ideas about getting my dual citizenship and how we can bridge the gap between African-Americans and Africans. And that was pretty much the long short of it. And obviously, I was hugely, you know, uh, inspired by him. And once he decided to run for president, quite naturally, I felt a personal uh, affection there for him because he was so kind to take the time to have a conversation with me about some of the the agenda that I had for, for Africa and African-Americans on how I could be useful. Keep in mind, I was on the number one show in America at the time, you know, so I felt yes, like you I, were. I was a, platform, I was a, a fan. Able, my wife and I we loved Grey's Anatomy, boy. We absolutely loved, yeah. uh, had to wait once a week. There was no Netflix or anything <laughs> allow us to just watch episode yeah, after episode, yeah. but uh, huge fans of that. Yeah. You're amazing in that. Yeah. So that's pretty much how, how we got on it. That's what, the, what really the tweet was about. Just the irony is that, well, I didn't didn't see a whole lot, you know, that I could safely say, whatever people's excuses, apologies for him not getting as much done as they want to say. Then it's like, you know, I, I, I don't I don't rock with that. You know, he was the president of the United States. I, I don't buy that race completely had it 
uh, impact on what he could and could not do, particularly in the last four years. Well, I mean, he's not going to be a politician anymore, so you might as well get these things done. And I remember working very hard with Atalash Shabazz and Dr. Julius <coughs> Garvey, the son of Marcus Garvey, trying to get him, uh, while doing his lame duck years, get the Marcus Garvey, get his um, partner, you know. Get his partner, yeah, yes. Didn't do it, you know, and then, you know, 45 comes in. He didn't do it for Alice Johnson either. He pardons uh, Jack Johnson (laughs) within the the first three weeks of his presidency. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Heavyweight champion Jack Johnson. He went on to then pardon Alice Johnson. Uh, I know that uh, they had petitioned uh, Barack for uh, pardoning Alice Johnson as well multiple times. And he just he he didn't even respond to it. I think so many in the black community had such high hopes that we actually had our first black president and then were so let down, especially like you said, the second term when he could have did whatever he wanted, didn't do it. First admitted black president. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> forget about Warren G. Harding. <laughs> so, so you you were definitely let down by Obama's lack of action, especially concerning the black community and things uh, like like you had met with them already and had talked to him, had good conversation with him uh, before you. I think that's when a lot of other Americans also woke up when he just it seemed like he was doing things more on a global scale. Like he really had a, a globalist agenda behind him and he kind of left America and uh, and the black community in the dust, in my opinion. Uh, I, w- I, w- I would share that opinion. Uh, I, I didn't see any of that coming when he was uh, up and coming as a senator. Who did? It's really interesting, though. A lot of insiders did. Well, I, I went to my first White House correspondence dinner before I actually met him. I think that was in 2005, or uh, I'm not mistaken, I met him in 2006 when he was a senator. But I do remember my first White House correspondence dinner, Jake Tapper, before he became Jack Tapper, and some other, Gwyneth uh, Stern, I can never pronounce her name, but I remember uh, being out on the courtyard and having some, some hors d'oeuvres and some drinks, and I remember this very tall gentleman uh, that had this strange name, and I couldn't quite pronounce it. And they said, oh, that guy's going to be the next president of the United States. And I'm like, who are you talking about? And uh, they said, oh, that guy right there, Senator Barack Obama. And now I could barely even pronounce the name. And I'm like, who? Really? What? And uh, But that was a year before uh, he decided to actually run for president, which I, I just found that very interesting. Yeah. Um, that's something that I, actually I talk about in my book, uh, that moment, you know, it was very interesting. And then here we are. So, yeah, I would share that opinion that there's a lot of things that I'm sure the American people, not just African-Americans, were disappointed in on a number of levels. It's all been documented and we're still finding things out that are coming. I mean, it's not we're trying to pick the guy's legacy apart. It's just the truth is the truth. And that's really what I'm about. I think yes. that transparency is important for everyone, particularly during this critical time. You know, the media has done just a, a horrible job of just being almost too transparent with only negative things as opposed to being transparent with positive things. I've been always saying, do you think that it's actually them being transparent or do you, do you actually believe, I personally believe that the, the left, the the media is controlled by the left and they're pushing the agenda of the left and that narrative. So they push stuff, whether it's true or not, they get called out on it all the time. Do you think that they are actually in, in fact, almost the enemy of the American people and our ability to make decisions based on good Intel, good content from the news? Yeah, I would say that in terms of transparent was tongue in cheek. You know, it's obviously they're not being transparent. And obviously there's a lot of things that are convoluted and corrupted in terms of the storytelling. I'm definitely someone that can, that has been victimized because of fake news. (laughs) I'll absolutely agree with you. Yeah. That unfortunately, you know, I've been saying for the, for years uh, that it would be great if the American people could come up with a class action lawsuit with a number of mainstream media outlets, but they don't seem like people have the will to do that. And the reason why I know they don't have the will to do that is 
because I could also see the hypocrisy in some of the American people is that I don't watch the news. I don't watch television. I don't watch a lot of that, that crap. Uh, but a lot of people do. You know, I talked to a colleague of mine that says she watches a particular show. She doesn't like that person. She doesn't know that person is not a journalist. That person is this and that. But she still she, she admits that she watches in order to just call her a B-I-T-C-H word and hate her. I don't get it. So it's like, you know, you're not watching news. You know, that person is not telling the truth, but you love to watch. I don't understand that. You can't have it both ways, man. You can't have it both ways. I don't ways. understand it either. I mean, that's the whole reason why I'm even here. You know, I had a video blow up back in 2015, right before 16. I just continued to share my viewpoints. And then I really began to find out how dishonest the news is and, and the media has been. And so I try to break right through that and just bring individuals like you that are champions in your arena and that are not afraid to share the truth and stand up for the truth. Why do you think that so many in Hollywood are afraid to share the truth? And do you actually think they know the truth? They're just afraid to stand up to it in fear of their job? Or do you think that they're actually really misled? I think you're giving the people in Hollywood and giving a lot of people in government and even a lot of people in law enforcement, a friend of mine who's a DA agent. He said, Isaiah, some of these, these conspiracies, these things, it's really not that deep. People, a lot of people just lazy, man. Hmm. You know, people just lazy, uninformed, underexposed. And they will say and do anything, be it a lie, cheat, still to keep their jobs, like the musical chairs, particularly specifically, you know, in Hollywood. I think we're giving Hollywood too much credit. I think a lot of these people uh, in their own personal perversions, they're so caught up in their own disabilities mentally on many levels, uh, suffering from a, num- a numerous amount of things that they're trying to hide and, and see. I mean, look at some of the things that rolled out of Hollywood, other than the Marvel ads. You see the same old story, the same old thing. You haven't really veered from anything that's going to make any real person be challenged and not that you need to beat them over the head with a message, but you really thoroughly entertain. Like I really thought that was during the, during the nineties. It seemed like they were really getting it right. But I just think a lot of people have a lot of fear, a lot of ignorance and really just lazy, man. Just lazy. I really do. People don't want to do the work. What I mean by lazy is just, they just want to get their coffee, get their whatever and bury their heads in the sand and just push things along. Um, just going through the motions. Do I think there's an active plan of people sitting somewhere trying to do other people harm? Yes, you have a lot of malicious behavior happening here. I'm, I'm on the outset of that. I know what that looks like. I have proof of it, but no one's kids to talk about it. See, you have to understand that hurt people hurt people here in, in, in this business. Yes. You know, most people hurt people hurt people, and predators protect each other very, very well. Why they protect each other? Because they they have so much mud they have sling on, on each other that soon someone steps out of the out of out of the lair steps out of the arena and they got to take them out and they do it usually through the press so it is really like an elite inner circle in hollywood that if you're in the circle you know things you are aware of stuff that's happening that's nefarious that's evil a lot of, a lot of the stuff that's come out about some people but when you're in that circle you you have everybody's back and as soon as you step out of that circle, then they stick the media on you to attack you, to vilify you, and to basically cut you off from being able to do anything else in, in Hollywood in, the, in that circle. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, they do that in politics. It's just politics. It's, that's not how politics is done. It's muckraking. It's trying to find the, the vulnerable vulnerable place and so on. And you try to repeat the story. It's, it's just so different what the, 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 the lead guy, Godolf, what did I forget his name, Goebbels did with Hitler. It's the same process. You know, you tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. It's not really easy to... to you know, unpack. Again, you know, the people that I find I've encountered are very, very uh, fragile egos, are very assistant people that may have had a, a number of things happen to them in their childhood. But once they begin to become extremely wealthy and powerful and be in a position where they can make or break someone's career or destroy their life, then, you know, I'm sure they get addicted to that just like any politician. 
that's going to do the same thing to a, a fellow politician during an election season. It gets to be really nasty, right? Yeah. Uh, people, people, you know, people can be very, very nasty. People, people, can, but for the most part, I've been, I've been, I've got some incredible allies still who, in Hollywood. I still work. Yeah, uh, you're still the, working. I still read a script today, and it was really good script, and I'm sure. You know, the director was really excited about me reading it and I didn't connect with the, the, the characters and great story. And I, I wish him well. I'll, I'll go watch it, you know, with the players that he has in mind and the role he had me in mind for. I couldn't connect to it, but I would go watch it. I had an idea who that character should be, who what actor should play that. But I didn't connect to it. But I've always been that way. You know, I like meeting new directors and new producers, but sometimes if they have an idea for me, it may not be in alignment with what I have for myself. You know, if you haven't been watching Isaiah's latest, uh, well, I just actually caught up to it. He's he had a show on the CW called The 100, and it's absolutely an amazing sci-fi series. But the fact that he is still active and working in Hollywood that says something, I, I love the fact that he's talking about, you know, why he chooses scripts. I think to me that speaks to uh, your integrity. Uh, Isaiah. And I really think it's your integrity that caused you to actually speak up. Can you share with everybody what was the moment that you just realized that you said, I want to be vocal. So you shared the tweet. You shared that, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of let down from 44 and you were inspired by 45, but you still have to make the conscious decision to be public about it, to go on Fox, to go on Fox Nation, to go on some of these shows and actually talk about why you're supporting this president. Where was that or when when was that conscious decision that you made to say, you know what, I'm going to be vocal about my support for this president? Well, you know, April 2nd, when, when I got up, I left the East Room. I made a series of tweets from the East Room. I saw him break for the teleprompter. He didn't have to. I saw a very tight room. You know, I know how it works at that level. It's like, you, you stick to the script, man. <laughs> it's almost like a, a production. You stick to the script. And when he broke from the uh, teleprompter and, and, and let each and every one of those uh, returning citizens in the East Room go to the podium and speak and, and not knowing exactly what they would say, you know, Politically, it's a huge risk, right? You don't know, Absolutely. you know, what happened before the camera. But when I saw it with my own eyes and I said that on Epic Times, people, the interview, and I said it with Tyrus, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty decent actor. You know, I, I know when people are acting and when they're not, you know, I can't tell when people are lying. You know, that's, that's why people are very good liars. But for the most part, I know what the camera does to a person physically. I can look at the body language and, and he genuinely uh, cared, man. That's, and, I, and I'm, you know, no one's going to get me off of that. I don't care what they say. I was in the East Room. I saw what I saw. I felt what I felt. I know what I know. Okay, you want to talk about his past? Hey, hey knock yourself out. You want to call him a racist? Whatever. You know, but you you, you, you put me on blast. Now you got to deal with me. Yes. Now you put me on blast and said that I try to make one black man make another black man look bad and all that crap. No, no, no. This is what I'm going to do. Now I'm a little pissed off. I'm a little annoyed that any form of media wants to use me as a pawn to do anything. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a strategy. I'm going to put a plan together and I'm going to see how I can take this media madness that's coming toward me and turn it into a positive. And that's exactly what I've done. That's what I've done with Aja Smith that I met on Twitter, uh, talking to people like yourself, reaching out to Corinne Rankin. And now we've created a, a wonderful uh, political action committee called the LRA, uh, the Legacy Republican Alliance, that we're looking to do community by community, get that 6% of black Republicans, you know, up more and get people on, yes. you know, we're all saying conservatives have conservative views. We just don't understand ideology. So I, that's, I came into this wanting to just be of service and not be the pawn to be the bad guy and all that stuff or be the scapegoat for this, that, and the other. I was like, you know what, later for all that stuff. That may be their narrative, but I'm going to ask the black Republicans that I can reach out to, what can I do to help you? And that's exactly what I've done. 
Well, we're so uh, privileged to uh, to have you on that journey with us. Uh, I know for our viewers, if they're wondering when was you, when were you in the East Room, uh, the East Wing of the White House, that was for the uh, prison reform. That was for talking about prison reform and oh, well, yes. <laughs> when uh, so many yeah, inmates were released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so many inmates were released. And just to touch on that point for a second, I've got a lot of pastor friends that have spoken at a lot of uh, presidential, you know, uh, addresses. They've, you know, they're they're very uh, honored in their communities, both black and Hispanic. And they've always said they've, they've told me this story over and over again, that any time that they've spoken at a ceremony where the president is also speaking, they're always given a script. They're telling what they can say. They're telling what scriptures to read. And it's stick to this script. And they've all said the same thing about President Donald Trump. He doesn't give them a script. He doesn't tell them to fit in this box. He doesn't say, read these scriptures. He says, you share whatever's on your heart. And wow. freedom is something wow. that uh, the people in the church, they have, they're not used to. The pastors I'm talking to, they're not used to that at all. And it sounds like that's kind of what you saw with the president giving the microphone to inmates that just got out of prison and just say, just share whatever's on your heart. And that authenticity and that integrity and that courage to do that, I think, is shining through. You are absolutely hit the head. That Those words, man, that level of courage, that level of authenticity, and that level of integrity in the moment. You know, people can call it a con. People can call it a game. You know what? Lay it for all that negativity, man. I yeah. see what the guy is doing. If you if you asked me six months ago, seven months ago, eight months ago, if I was ever be, you know, a supporter about anything that Trump said or done, I would tell you, you're out of your effing mind. I would never support that guy. Wow. You know, that's just where I was based yeah. on the election process that- and based on some of the choices that he made with the advice of Bannon and, and Roger Stone. And I can understand that, but I'm old enough to know that, you know, you know, the election process is doggy dog, you know, but it got really, really nasty. Everybody knows I was the Green Party. Everybody knows I, I voted for Jill Stein, which was technically a vote for him. But I just refused to ever, ever vote for Clinton again. Everybody, if you, you want to look at my tweets for 2016, you'll see a lot of nasty things <laughs> about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump because I just felt like, it, you know, I didn't think he needed some of the things that he did. I didn't think, I think he would have won without a lot of the rhetoric that was going yeah. around. I just, I, I just, in my heart, I felt that the world, the world and the country, honestly, were not interested in another Clinton in the White House at yes. all and not interested in the politics that we had seen. Yeah, I had right. really believed, and I remember being in Jamaica, hearing some people talk, and they say, you know, we, we saw all the nasty things that were being, the muckraking and all that, but I really believe that, you know what? Just like Dave Chappelle says, what? give a guy a chance, why not? Yeah. It hasn't been working with these other people. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, absolutely. Like, why not? I mean, black unemployment is at its lowest point for right. another another low point in our country's history. Unemployment for the Hispanic community in our country is at a lower lowest point in history. Unemployment yeah. for women's lowest in history. I just almost uh, lowest in 50 years. I just saw a brief video from Joe Biden being interviewed. And the uh, the lady said, look, Iowa has like two point five percent unemployment. Why would they uh, why would they vote for you? And he said he's he like refused to answer. He said, I'm not going to make that decision for them or she's all. Well, you can fight for it. And he's like, I'm not going to. <laughs> they don't have anything to fight for. When the current administration is doing so well at an economic level, at a world stage level, you know, we're respected by world leaders again. We don't have a president going around bound every other world leader in our country and just making and sending you know billions of dollars of cash to other countries in the middle of the night. We're respected as a as an entity, as a country on the world stage. And, a, and average Americans are seeing the benefit 
in their bank you know, accounts and in their 401ks from the stock. We hear that all the time, but I think that the, the bigger issue is the bigger issue is we've got the numbers, we've got the data and I, I, I understand all that, not to cut you off, but what I'm saying is what, what I see as a citizen, what I see as an American. Yes. What I see without the data, without the, all the talking points and all that stuff. You know, I see a man who truly cares about what it is that he's doing. He, this is yes. not the first thing we've been talking about doing what he's doing. We've talked about this since the 80s. The problem I have with that is the hypocrisy of the people that loved him when he was he was the, 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 the epitome of what it is to be a billionaire in the Billionaire Boys Club. All of a sudden turn tail because now all of a sudden his personality is, is too is too rough. It's too rough. Right. It's too heavy for us to understand. What I don't understand about the American people is their memory. Mm-hmm. You would rather take down a president who particularly the media has given you all of the boils and all of the nastiness and all of the ugliness. But yet you don't want to remember straight up bigots, open bigots like Harry Truman, Harry S. Truman. Yep. We use the word every day, all day. Yeah. Or straight up bigots. LBJ. Like LBJ. Yep. Straight right up there. people that were confused. Although Nixon balanced the budget and was a Republican, he still had issues. And there's still, Reagan had issues in terms of being private and saying things that are very not nice about people of color. So you want to stick with the fact that, wow, I didn't know how they really thought or what they really said behind closed doors. And let's look at their record. Yes. But now what we have in reverse, you really know what a man thinks. He really tweaks what is on his mind. He really goes after everybody equally and basically berates them equally. You know who he is. And then he's doing a great job, but you want to focus on his personality. Right. That's that's the thing that I think is the most daunting thing about the American, not all American people, but most right. American people that can sit there like, I hate this guy, I hate this guy, I hate this guy, I hate this it's guy. It's emotional. It's all it I don't think I think it's more than that. I think the political system is just set up that way that everyone has stuck to the script publicly. Well, for so the, long. the people, though, they're buying into it and all they have is emotional rhetoric to try to combat anything. They don't want to pay attention to any of the positive because they're so wrapped up emotionally over how they feel about I it. Think it's, 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 but that emotion is, is is what I'm saying. We under something here. Track what I'm saying. That emotion is by design, my friend. Yes, We've never had a president that has been this honest before, even if we don't like what he's saying. Yeah. We've never had to come out the White House before, in my opinion. I'm only 56 years old. No, I, I, well, I agree. We didn't have Twitter like, you know, this. I mean, oh, I don't even think Obama tweeted like uh, like uh, tr- President Trump does. No, he's not, he, he's not he, he brings the news right to the people. He stuck to the script. Yeah. He, didn't, he wanted to be likable, and he was for eight yeah. years. You know, so I think it's something even more incredible is that I don't know what it was like during the 1800s. You know, I don't know what George Washington was like. You know, I don't, I don't know what it was like, but I just got a feeling that, you know, people can keep calling a con and keep calling it a game. I don't feel that. I feel like yeah. this guy is so incredibly honest. Absolutely. That people are just, they just, they just don't like it. You know, some people just can't handle the truth. You know, that's exactly the truth. I was on, uh, I was on Fox business with Trish Reagan last Friday and I couldn't help myself. They actually had the president's feed coming in live and then they broke from the feed to come to me. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I know I'm supposed to answer a question right now, but I just got to tell you, I love this president. I'm so passionate. I can hear how much he loves America when he speaks. And I absolutely believe that he is representing us well. And uh, I, I just, I've never felt that way about a president before. And, you know, I haven't really been 
as political, obviously, as I have in the last few years. But I, I agree with you. I can feel his passion, his love for our country uh, when he speaks and by what he does. And he just brings the truth to us. Yeah. You know, I, I look at this cognitive dismiss on, on both sides. So this this other this this refusal to accept what it is that you see, this the trick of the eye. You know, I study uh, the science, it's such a science called Weber. And I, I, you know, I really watch again what the camera can do to the body. For example, uh, C-SPAN, uh, the world, the nation was really uh, robbed, uh, not seeing uh, around the world and around the nation um, the wonderful address that uh, Forty-Five gave to uh, many African Americans that were supportive of what he was doing for historical black colleges and universities. An amazing three some odd minutes that I watched, and he was extremely presidential and extremely warm, extremely kind. And I could hear all the haters, you know, going, "Oh no, 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 no! He didn't look like a wild man. That he, why is he so crazy? Like he will be at the rallies in front of thousands of people." And I'm like, because he's sitting in a room with a few hundred people, right? He's not going to be that demonstrative. He's a, he knows to be spectacle. He's a showman. So why would he be that person in a stadium of 10,000 people when you sit in the room? It's like, yeah, I, I don't even know what, you know, this thing, what they call it, a Trump. Trump derangement syndrome? I'm believing, I'm seeing, I'm checking that now, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because I'm, I've just been an observer for the last five months. I'm still... Yeah. An artist. I'm still a social scientist, but in my mind, I love watching things and things turn around, strategizing. I just like I, I hear people, and it, it, it's like it's like this, I've never seen this before, man. I have never seen people so obsessed with hating a person. Maybe during the '80s, people were obsessed with hating Spike Lee and you know Madonna during the '80s. It just loved that wasn't even pol- that wasn't even politics. That was pop culture. But, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think our politics has, has come to a pop culture status, yes. which is not a good thing. You said well, it's not, not a good thing anymore. The media is just making making all of us look like idiots going after uh, 45 as much as they do. In my well, opinion, def- I think they definitely make themselves look like idiots. But everybody that believes their BS and just you know, rattles it off, it doesn't help. But it's it yeah. really seems like politics is the culture of today. Yeah, but, but my point is, you still, people who've never lived in America, if they're watching our news and they're watching what is being written, yeah, they're going to believe it. Right. Yes, understandably. You yeah. know, that, that's how it works. The yeah, well, it's because they used to be believable. Huh? We, it's because we used to could believe them. I, you know, as I get older, I'm not really sure if we ever could. Even That's though true, I too. They used to be more believable. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to question everything now, man. I mean, yeah. I think the good thing about 45 is he's gotten us to question a number of things. Yes. I mean, just leave it to Beaver is just not leave it to Beaver anymore, man. <laughs> happy days are just not happy days anymore, man. It was all a lie. It was all acting. Yeah, it really does make you question a heck of a lot, all the exposing that we see uh, that we see taking place. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's painful, but it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it is painful. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people don't want to admit it. They don't want to go down that road of of man. If I if I have to believe that this was inaccurate, then how much else have I believed that's been totally inaccurate? And then that makes them really uncomfortable with the fact of what they've been believing and how strong they've been believing it. And a lot of people don't want to go down that road. Well, you know, I'm, I, you know, when I was in the military, all I had, all I had to read was Tom Clancy and Robert Litlow and little Danielle Steele in there. If I wanted to get my little sexy things on or whatever, when I was in the military and all I had was stars and stripes. 
So every time I picked up the newspaper, stars and stripes on the butt, on the base, it was the beginning. The Russians are coming. A little something in the middle, and at the end, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. <laughs> Apparently, they're still the coming. coming. I mean, man, from nineteen eighty-one to eighty-five, baby, I hated the Russians. If I saw, I didn't even drink, drink Russian vodka. I was like, man, I hate the Russians. I was <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it, you wonder how much has changed or how much hasn't changed. One thing's for sure that it's a, we're in a heightened state and a heightened level. Let's talk a little bit about your um, leg- legacy Republican Alliance. I'm going to bring this up on the screen so everybody else can see it as well. They can still see you, but here we see uh, the mission for the uh, for Legacy Republican Alliance is a nonprofit organization dedicated to expanding the presence and engagement of Black Americans in the African diaspora. Excuse me, in the Republican Party and in the nation's political system. Share with us a little bit about why you started this Legacy uh, Republican Alliance. You know, some people have criticized us as that we're being disingenuous by saying the GOP could ever possibly remotely go back to what Frederick Douglass had in mind with his inception, his creation. I disagree. Uh, again, I, with all this change, the pendulum tends to swing both ways. And uh, what 45 has done for me is, is given me an opportunity to go, well, why not? Let's seize the time. I think there are a lot of... Abolitionist spirited people who happen to be conservatives or happen to be Republicans or rhinos or Republican in name only. But I think it's the mind, body, and the heart and the spirit that wants peace. Yes. That wants love, wants respect, wants to just be left alone, doesn't want a lot of government, okay? Just want the opportunity and just want to be able to live their lives in the America that we know today. It's really not brain surgery. Yes. All right. You know, what I like about the legacy Republican uh, reliance is that we want to get back to the Frederick Douglass principles of abolishing ignorance, abolishing poverty at all levels and all platforms. Yes. I really think that's high time. That's why I've been agitating and agitating as a Frederick Douglass. I've always been a a Garveyite or technically I've always been self-reliance kind of guy, Kwanzaa kind of guy. I've always been a Frederick Douglass Republican. I just didn't have anywhere to put him. And now I think I found a home now with Corinne Rankin and uh, the Major Williams out there running for mayor in Pasadena. And Love Major. Yeah. And uh, I miss out there. Uh, I have a kindred spirit with all of them. Uh, I know what they're trying to do. They're the new vanguard. And I really believe we can get this 6% of Republicans here once we really hear their story and hear what we're trying to do. And again, as he, the president says, what else you got to lose? You know what I mean? We have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. Absolutely. Uh, and I really think that there's going to be a level of conservatism with people that understand and people say, well, what are we conserving? Well, no, we're not conserving, you know, disocratic behavior. We're not conserving racism or bigotry. We're not conserving underexposed individuals or ignorance. We're conserving what the principles of the Republican Party truly are about. And that's where I'm hoping that the LRA can expose those in the GOP who are not willing to just say, OK, we're going to go and clean up the streets here in L.A. You know, we're going to see being corrupt. If you don't want to do that, Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the California GOP, then we want to get some people in that's going to, you know, make sure we give you the support to get these things done. So it's not enough for the the GOP to point things at the Democrats and talk about what is not being done. Let's talk about what has been done. And let's talk about what has been done since 1964. I, I put that tweet up to a lot of my lovely followers on Twitter. 
And although they're very proud of being conservatives, I said, so what technically, if you want to be talking about Republicanism and, and being a Republican and GOP, what exactly have they done for not just the American people, but specifically, I'm African-American, the African-American yeah. people in the last 50 years. No one could come up with anything. And that is okay. That's not a bad answer. Shouldn't feel bad about that answer. That is where my PAC and the uh, Legacy Republican uh, Alliance comes in, the LRA comes in, so we can start the people. now and get things done for the next 50 and 100 years. It's okay yeah. to not be able to hold your hand up and go, all the great things you know Republicans have done in the last 50 years. Let's start now. Let's start right now and let's start in 2020 and get it done. That's what well, I feel about. I love I love your 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 goal and mindset to educate people, because that's, you know, unless people are asking the tough questions and unless people understand why they believe and why they support who they do, then they very well could be casting their vote and pushing for agendas that they don't they don't don't actually agree with or believe in. So understanding why they support who they support is is one. I love the uh, the Frederick Douglass aspect because, you know, he was an amazing black Republican, said he'd never vote for any other party. And I think a lot of that's been lost. Most of it's been lost, especially in the black community. But now that we have a president that actually supports, I think, pushing forward, the pushing the agenda forward for the black community, for us to be able to get up and do what we need to do ourselves. We don't need handouts. We just need opportunity. And with the opportunity zones that he's got coming out, Daryl Scott, uh, is helping roll roll that out with what you're doing and with what all of us are trying to do. Again, it's not a color thing, but America will be greater and more prosperous with all of these things taking place. And that is exactly what we have right now with this uh, current administration. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also like to add that, you know, some people would tend to say the two party system is uh, two wings of the same bird. I've talked to a lot of libertarians, a lot of independents. A lot of Democrats that are, 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 are looking at my direction, hopefully, you know, my goal for the LRA is, is to ultimately become a very, very strong third party. But not just a third party, but a third party that can probably, if we're going to burn the house down and we don't like the Democrats and we don't like what the Republicans are doing, then come to the LRA. Come come on, come and follow our people. We've got some incredible political professionals and candidates that are running for office in the state of California. Take the LRA seriously, because I'm taking the very I love that. I love the ambition. I, I believe that as well, that for a long time, the Democrat and Republican parties have been just two sides of the same coin. I think that if Donald Trump felt like he could have won the nomination without actually going with the GOP, he might have tried that. I think that it's a new party now, but I definitely like the possibility for choice. Definitely love what you've got, what you're presenting here. Americans need choice. And uh, I think that's a good thing for all Americans. Well, it, 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 it's not a complete choice. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm seeing currently from President Trump. Yes. I would say, obviously, not the Democratic Party can't completely give it all to the GOP. I don't think they're in that silence. They support him enough. So who knows? Yeah. They, they, know, if I, I can wake up, I can wake up tomorrow morning and 45 is supporting the LRA as the political party that he wants to uh, run for president again in 2020, then that would be rad. That would yeah. be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The GOP, I don't think gave him even a dollar for his campaign in 16. I, I think they're hopefully they're going to support him more now. But the, I love what you're doing for sure. I love the fact that you're courageous enough to stand up and share what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Any any final words you'd like to share with my audience today, Isaiah? No, I, I think grace and balance. That's what I've tweeted. That's, you know, good. Grace and balance, that's all I want to offer to this thing. You know, it's, it's not really trying to destroy the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, GOP. It's trying to get the LRA out there and get people to take a look at what we is. And if you feel like there's some, some grace and balance in what it is that we're doing, then 
would be happy to, you know, support us that way. You know, yeah. I think it's not season of time because the one thing I've learned is that, you know, all of this, this rawness, a, a lot of good things have come out of 45's existence. I really Absolutely. believe that I've seen with my own eyes. Uh, and I think when all the, all the, the clarins stopped blaring and all the, the finger waving and all the jockeying for power, when it really settles and people go to the voting polls, uh, and even before that, take a look at what we're trying to do at the local and, and, and state and federal level here in the state of California. I mean, come on, we got a, we got a governor here that that, that says that you can't even vote for the president of the United States in, in California. That's insane. It's you insane. Know, so there. Uh, and, and, I, and I hope after this this this, this uh, encounter with you that your fans and my fans that are watching will see that uh, I think the LRA is is it's just grace and balance. It's again not trying to. I just want to clean out, drain the swamp of the GOP and drain the swamp of the Democratic Party. But if we can't do that quick enough, then we build up the LRA and show those that we're serious, that we just want you to be the elected official. If you want our vote, do your job. It's very, very simple. Very, yeah. very, very, very simple. And that's, uh, if you want to check that out, that's LegacyRepublicans.org is how you can get to the uh, Legacy Republican Alliance. Uh, Isaiah, I love your heart. I love your passion. And I'm so excited for what I believe God has in store for you. I think that he's chosen you for this moment. I believe he's crafted together and allowed everything that's happened in your life to be able to give you the skin and the courage uh, and the fortitude to be able to handle what he's got in front of you right now. His hand is on you. I pray for you daily. And I'm really honored to be your friend, brother. I appreciate that, Devin. I take prayers anytime, all day, anytime of the week, baby. Prayers work for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Isaiah, thank really? you so much. I'd love to have you on my show again in the future uh, and uh, say hello to your family for me. And uh, next time I'm in L.A., I got to try some of your cooking, man. I, I, I think you already heard about the with the, uh, the microwave. So she probably had the microwave slamming and beeping through half this interview. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. No worries, man. I love that. All right, Isaiah, thank you so much for joining me today, my brother. We will talk again soon. God bless you and your endeavors. I know you got trips planned and you're still shooting and recording. So uh, increase in blessing and favor on all the scripts coming your way. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for the time. All right. Thank you, Isaiah. God bless. Bye-bye. Folks, there you have right there an amazing uh, individual that is doing something with what he's been given. And I think that's something that we can all do. It's interesting to see and hear where he's taken uh, his newfound awareness of of what he's got in front of him for politics, for understanding. But I think the thing that resonated with me the most is that there was a period of time that he said there's no way that he would support this president. What changed? was encountering the president for himself, actually witnessing Donald Trump in the White House, giving the microphone to inmates that had just gotten released because of the prison reform bill that he pushed for, that's had over 5,000 inmates released, 91% of which have been black. Our president gave them the microphone and said, share whatever's on your heart. That is the truth. That's the humility. That's the courage that we love in our current president. So. Thank you uh, all for watching today. I will be back tomorrow at 6 o'clock Texas time with a regular show with all my news and all my articles. But thank you guys so much for spending a little bit of your day with this deplorable brother right here. I truly hope you enjoyed this show. And uh, we'll see you guys all again very soon. Bye-bye.